How are you guys doing tonight? It's, a, it's an honor for me to be uh, speaking to you guys tonight. This series has been a great series for me, the book of Ephesians. I feel like a lot of stuff that I feel like I already knew was really like dug deeper into my soul during this time. And just understanding that, you know, Paul was speaking to the Ephesians about God's purpose and power, and power in the church. Speaking about uh, our salvation, redemption, the new life, and unity in and through Christ. He also spoke to them about the standard for living now that we are new creations in Christ. He spoke about us, uh, about us walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. And he also established the standard of authority and order and submission within the body of Christ. And he starts his last section with the words, finally, so we know that he's uh, ending now. He's given these final instructions. And when I think of final instructions, I can't help but think of Jesus with his disciples right before he ascended. And he gave them final instructions. And those final instructions, what we call the Great Commission, it was to go make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them everything that I have taught you. I think Paul is sort of doing the same thing here in, in the book of Ephesians. He's established a lot of doctrine, a lot of understanding of who Christ is, who we are in Christ. And he's, uh, say, he's thinking to himself, how can I send them off? How can I deploy them, if you will? He's under house arrest, so he's there in, in his house you know, as, as a prisoner. And there's a, some Roman soldiers around, so I think he took a look at them and started looking at their armor, started looking at their helmet, their, their breastplate, and their, their boots. And just, he started thinking, man, we are in a war. As God's people, we are in a war. He was thinking about the wars of his life, how since he started preaching the gospel, all the stuff that came against him, whether it was people, whether it was rulers of nations, or, or just people trying to kill him. Paul lived his life on the edge of, uh, you know, always thinking about, about the end of it, because he never knew this today was going to be his last day. So this was Paul's life. Paul's life was war. And he wanted to communicate, I believe, the same thing to us, that we were in war. And I love war movies. Not necessarily the ones with the guns, but the ones with swords and uh, spears and armor. You know, I think of movies like Lord of the Rings when they're in battle. When I'm reading the end of this book, I sort of pick, I, 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 in my mind, I, I picture warriors in a room getting outfitted for war they're putting on their armor they're putting on their helmets and on the way out they're handed their shield and they're handed their sword and they're going out to fight and again i believe that's what paul was was doing with the, with with the ephesians here so what we're going to be speaking today is about spiritual warfare and i know that when i say the word spiritual warfare so for many people in the church there's a wide variety of, of what we think about what we think about, some people might think of a sweaty preacher jumping all over people, knocking people on the floor and, and wanting to know G demons' names. Or we might just not think of anything. We might think of something that just went over our head. And I'm reminded as, as we were worshiping earlier, the songs that we were singing, that even though this is a heavy subject, thinking about Satan's attacks on us, the songs that we were singing today was reminded me of the victory that, that we have. Although we are talking about battle and we're talking about there's a lot that happens from now till we have our eternal victory. So there's going to be battles that we might stumble. There's going to be battles that we might fall and we might lose a couple of battles here and there. But one thing that I want you to know, even when we're speaking about something heavy, is that at the end of the game, we win. We win. Why do we win? Because Christ wins. And we ride his coattails into victory. So as much as we're talking about 
heavy things here. We're talking about the attacks of Satan. We win at the end. So let's keep that in mind as we speak about this. One thing I was saying before about, about everybody's different perspective when they do think about, about spiritual warfare, I think that sometimes we make a big deal out of it, a bigger deal than it really is, and some people even think more about Satan than they do God, and we have all these YouTube videos about if someone puts their body in, in a, posi- a certain position and you take their freckles and you make a line and it comes, becomes a pentagram. I don't know if you guys watch YouTube, but we see all these different videos about, you know, the position of that this actor put his fingers, and we, you know, it's, 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 it could bring fear to people that don't know. But then we have the other side where we just ignore things and we just don't realize that we are in this war. I think for the most part, that's where most of us might stand, in that area. I think that sometimes we forget that Satan hates us. He does. He hates us because he hates God. And his goal is to stop the kingdom of God advancing. And through whom does God advance the kingdom? Through us. So he's going to try to do whatever he can to stop that. Thinking about these both extremes, C.S. Lewis said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall, in, fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve, disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Like I said, there are two extremes. And I think that sometimes we forget that, that they do exist. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the scriptures and then we'll go just go back over them a little bit. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. In the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with, with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am, am an, an, an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The first point that I want to make, I probably said about four times already, and it's just the fact that we are at war. Like I said, you know, we, we tend to maybe think about the, ex- the example that, that, that Paul gave with the, about the soldier in the armor. I think sometimes when we think of examples, we sort of think that they're kind of, kind of hyperbolic. 
like they're an exaggeration. But I think that Paul was actually saying that we are soldiers. We are all soldiers in a war when we give our life to Christ. You know, it, it's not like, you know, we, we, the exam, you know, we look at, like, let's say, uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We see, like, Aslan and Jesus, and there's some parallels there. It's not this far-off example. We are soldiers. Ian e. Bounds, he said, I cannot be, it cannot be said too often that the life of a Christian is warfare, an intense conflict, a lifelong contest. It is a battle fought against invisible foes who are ever alert and seeking to entrap, deceive, and ruin the souls of men. So a lot of times we do take this lightly. As I said before, Satan does help, hate us, and he's trying to stop the work of God. And First uh, Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And the word devour means to demolish, to ruin, to ravage, and to destroy. And the thing is that even though Satan wants to destroy us and he uses temptation, he wants us to sin, we tend to take these, uh, to, to, to look at Satan instead of a roaring lion, more like a little puppy dog sometimes. You know, when he attacks us with, with uh, temptation and sin, we tend to not take it so serious as God's people. And we play around with it, we flirt with it, and we even invite Satan into our lives in a sense when we invite sin into our lives. So as much as God is, doing, is empowering us to be able to defend against Satan, we tend to take it lightly and almost invite him in. As we go back into Ephesians to, uh, the, in, to verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. One thing we need to realize that as far as our battle, it is impossible for us to be able to fight on our own strength. The only way that we can fight is through Jesus Christ. And as we continue to say that this war ends with us winning, the reason why we win is because we have Christ. Jesus is the, is the victorious one. And we need to look to him. And as far as us being strong in the Lord and being strengthened by his might, it is, all, it is only through him that we can overcome these things. So when it says to put on the whole armor of God, I'm saying that it's talking about Christ. It's talking about our victory through Christ in these things. And we have no chance without Jesus. We cannot fight Satan. You know, you know later on, the, you know, it says that the, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We can fight with flesh and blood, but the only way that we can fight is through Christ. So spiritual warfare is about God's people recognizing their weaknesses, depending on the power of God, filling them with his word and prayer and walking in his likeness. Wayne Gruden, when talks, talking about spiritual warfare, he says that demonic forces attempt to hinder the spread of the gospel and the progress of the church. So as God's church, we're here to be light in this world and push back darkness. We're here to fight against that, and that's what Satan is trying to stop from there. So as I said, we are in a war. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we have um, termites and stuff in, in our house, and we're not aware of it. They destroy us. They destroy the house and corrode it from the inside out. It's the same thing when we're not alert. When we are not, in, when we are not uh, uh, taking part in this war or recognizing the war that we're in. So, like I said, we are at war. The next point I want to bring is that we need to know our enemy. Verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authority, authorities, against the cosmic forces and, and over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For the sake of time, I'm not really going to get into the differences between authorities and rulers, but just know that these are the spiritual forces that are under Satan's direction that are trying to stop us from, from advancing the kingdom of God. So when we look at Satan, and it says here to stand against the schemes of the enemy, the schemes are tricks and the plans of Satan that he tries to, to, to use to, to stop us. And before we talk about a little bit about, about who Satan is, what certain things, there, there are certain things that I want you guys to know about Satan. First of all, Satan is not God. You know, I know that uh, there's this understanding out there that's sort of like this, God rules heaven, Satan rules hell. No. God is all-powerful. Satan is not. Satan does not know everything. Satan cannot read your mind. He is not equal to God. God is greater than him, and he is more powerful than him. So that's one thing I just want to establish. But one way that we can get to know what the schemes of the enemy are is by, by studying what the Bible says about Satan. There are several names that the Bible gives him. It says that he's the destroyer, the accuser, the deceiver, the evil one, the father of lies, the lawless one, the liar, the murderer, the ruler of this world, the tempter, the thief, and the spirit that works in the son of, of the children of disobedience. Why is it important to know his names? Because in order for us to know how we can fight against an enemy, we have to know what his, what his schemes are. And, his, and a lot of his names reveal what his schemes are. And what we see here is things, certain uh, things about him is that Satan is powerful, not more powerful than God. But he's more powerful than us. But he's powerful. He's wicked and he's crafty. And like we said before, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight Satan on our own, but we fight Satan through Christ. So as we look at who he is, it's important to know, like I said, because a lot of the attacks that come to us are stuff that happens in our mind and in our hearts. So we need to recognize when we are being attacked, attacking our thoughts. And as we start looking at our armor, before I get into the verses in, in Ephesians, Second Corinthians 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but the divine power to destroy strongholds. We, dis- uh, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and taking every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your, obe- when your obedience is complete. Satan wants to stop us from getting to know God, growing in our relationship with him, and also making him known. He also wants to try to get us to live a life of disobedience. Because there's no way that we can love sin and love God at the same time. Even though we struggle. But there's no way that we can love sin love God. There's no way that we can love sin and love his purpose. There's no way that we can love sin and love his kingdom. So as, as Satan continues to attack us, he attacks us in our, in our mind, help, tries to get us to believe lies about who God is and about who we are. And as we start looking at the actual uh, armor, verse 14 says, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And when it comes to us defending against the attacks of Satan, I think truth is one of the most important words. And we're going to hear that as we... Look throughout all these, all these verses. Truth is what holds everything together. 
And during these times, uh, ancient battles were fought more hand-to-hand. People were, were, were fighting. It wasn't like they had guns and stuff like that. They were hand-to-hand. And they wore tunics. So the, the tunics were long dresses. So the men would take up the tunics and sort of tie them around themselves and tuck them into a belt. That was, was, well, that was called girding up your loins. They would do that for battle and also for work. So what, what, when you talk about the belt of truth, truth is what keeps us tight. Truth is what keeps us centered. And we're not only talking about the truth of God, we're talking about truthfulness with each other because the truth in, in God's word tends to bring out truthfulness and helps us to live according to truth. So uh, as, as, as the belt of truth holds everything to the, together, truth holds everything together because if what we believe is a lie, then everything always falls apart. And when we look at the breastplate of righteousness in verse 14, it says, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate was, a, was sleeveless and was made of tough leather or other strong materials. And it, uh, they embedded pieces of horn or animal hooves inside to protect the torso and because it, w- it would protect the heart and the vital organs. You know, as we said, as we were saying before, that we stand on Christ and the truth about Christ. When we think about righteousness, where do we get our righteousness from? We get our righteousness from Christ. The Bible talks about that his righteousness has been given to us. He traded his righteousness, righteous account for our sinful account. So whenever any accusations come against us, when, this, when Satan comes against us and accuses us, one of his names is the accuser, like we said before, we stand on the righteousness of Christ and there's no accusations that could come and hit us. Because we are, we are righteous because Christ has made us righteous. So Christ's righteousness given to us also makes us live righteously. So it's not only the righteousness of Christ, but also our righteous lives as a result of Christ's righteousness. There are always going to be attacks on us. Satan's always going to attack us and try to uh, accuse us of things that we've already been forgiven for. And the word of God says that, we are, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But later on, and that's in Romans 8, 1, but later on in verse 4, it says that those who are in Christ Jesus, those who walk according, not, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Christ's righteousness uh, produces righteous character in us also. So when we do sin, Satan tries to attack, but we can also rest in the righteousness of Christ. Um, verse 15 says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel. The soldiers wore boots or like some sort of like high top, high, high top sandals. And they had nails that were put in the bottom of the boots. And this gave them traction and grip during battles. And their feet is also what they use in order to move forward and to advance. So the th- three words we see here is gospel, peace, and readiness. It is the good news of the gospel is, that, is what gives us peace in our hearts. We are at peace with God because of his salvation that he's given us. So this is the message of peace that we go and we, and we preach to others that don't know Christ. This uh, message of peace. Like I said, we, we advance with our feet and, and, and everywhere that we go, we want to be able to share the gospel with people. First Peter 3.15 says, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, 
who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So we believe that this great gospel that gives us peace is good news, then that's something that we need to publish and make known everywhere that our feet um, step, uh, every few, everywhere that our feet step on. And in verse 16 it says, In all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The Roman soldiers typically had two kinds of shields. They had a small shield that was round, that they would use it during hand-to-hand combat, and they also had a large shield that would cover most of their body. Almost all the, the people I've studied agree that this is the larger shield. It was four and a half feet by two and a half feet. And it was the first line of defense whenever the soldier was in battle. All the other pieces of the armor were secondary. It was, they were always, whatever the shield didn't, didn't deflect, that's when they had the rest of the armor for. So what, what the enemy would do, they would dip their arrows and javelins into a flammable liquid, and they would fire at the enemy. So what they did with their shields, they were treated with leather or, or, or dip it in water. And when the, the, the arrows would hit, it would quench the fiery darts of the enemy. So that's why, that, that's why it's saying that. So our faith is our unwavering trust in God and his, and his word. Because Satan is one of the ways that he attacks us is always in our faith. He's always trying to get us to, dis, to not believe what God says to us or not believe what God has said about us. He, want, he says, you know what? I know that the Bible says this, but God is holding out on you. He really doesn't care for you. You know, or what does, what does sexual morality really mean? Or you know, he says, God doesn't really want what's best for you. Or what do you really mean by that? He lies to us and tries to question what God says. And it is our faith as we trust and hold on to the truth of God's word that deflects or extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. So if we look at it, um, Satan wants to attack our minds and our hearts. But as we stand up on the truth of who Christ is and the truth of his word, then we will always be able to, to deflect Satan's attacks. Verse 17 says, and take up the helmet of salvation. And we know that Paul is speaking to Christians here. And the truth is that a, an unsafe person really has no defense against Satan's attacks. And the head uh, was a major area, uh, a, a target area during battles. And our, uh, our, a lot of our attacks from the enemy are in our mind. He injects thoughts into our mind, and that's where we have to decide whether we're going to accept those thoughts, thoughts or not. And one way that he does uh, mess with us as Christians is, is with our salvation, especially times when we have fallen or we haven't been perfect. He tries to get us to, to doubt uh, our own salvation. But when, when we go back to our assurance of our salvation through Christ, and what the scripture says, and seeing that the, the, as we see our lives being molded by the Holy Spirit inside of us, then we know that we can stand on this truth. And then it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which, which is the word of God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, how did he fight back? He fought back with the word of God. And we know that the, the word of God here for the armor of the soldier is his only, uh, his no, his only offensive part of the armor. This is the way that, that, that we fight back. But it's, if, and the, word of, the reason why is because the word of God is truth. And one thing that we have seen over and over again through all the different parts of the armor, we see that the way that Satan attacks us is with lies. And this is why we need the word of God to be able to deflect those lies. If we do not know about uh, who God is, 
if we do not understand our salvation in Christ, then we have nothing to be able to fight back against these attacks. And this is why the word of God is so important in our life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is, God breathed, is, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom, whom we must give account. So we know that the word of God reveals God to us. It reveals truth to us. And like I said, truth, uh, truth if, we don't, if we do not know truth, we have no, nothing to fight against Satan's attacks. The word of God also compels us. It moves us. It inspires us. It encourages us and it leads us. The word of God also convicts us. It points out sin in our life. It lets us know when we're out of bounds. And the word of God also converts us. It changes our heart. It transforms our heart and molds us into the image of Jesus Christ. So, to, like I, like I, and I, I feel like in a sense we're going through, uh, we're saying the same thing over and over again because lies, the way that we, the way that we combat lies is always with truth, and the way that Satan attacks us is with lies. So we need to know truth in order to do that. But Psalm nineteen eleven says, "I have hidden your word in my heart." that I may not sin against you. One thing that, you know, Satan tries to do, and we, you know, we're talking about sin, we're talking about the attacks of Satan. If we, if we can lose focus of, what, of who we are in Christ, who Christ is, and what God wants us to do as his people, then Satan could, could, could you know, he, he's trying to stop the work of God, the, the advancement of the kingdom. Like I said, the job of the church is to push back darkness to destroy darkness. But if we're too focused on other stuff and we're too busy dealing with, with, our, with, with our own sin and being depressed because of our faults, then he can stop us from moving back there. So that's why the, the last part you know, over here is talking about prayer. And one, there's three things I always think about every time I'm about to pray because it just helps me to stay on track. Number one is that God is listening. God listens to our prayers. David said in Psalm 116 that, that he inclines his ear to me. God listens to our prayers, every single prayer. Number two is that God is good. He loves us. He has, he has our best interests in, in mind, even when we don't know what that is. And number three is that God is sovereign. He is powerful to do whatever he wants. If he, was, if he wasn't, it wouldn't almost be a use for me to pray, you know? So these three things I always think about when I, when I think of uh, prayer. But um, Paul, when he's talking about prayer, you're, you're going to see he uses the word all over and over again. And I think he's just trying to emphasize something. Verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. So as he says, praying at all times, he's talking about this frequency of prayer. Praying at all times, no matter what we're doing, whether we're in a good mood, whether we're in a bad mood, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, regardless, we should be praying. And as we pray, you know, in the good times and the bad times, it sort of teaches us and helps us to be centered on Christ and to be focused on Christ during all times and just trusting in him during all times. 
You know, a lot of times, you know, when we see prayer, we think of it as just asking for something. And that's part of prayer. But it is through prayer that our hearts are surrendered. It's during the times of prayer and meditating on his word that we're able to, to, to use the, the, the pieces of the armor to be able to, to go against the attacks of Satan. It's during those times where, where we can think about truth. And as the lies come to us, we can deflect truth with the word of God. And a lot of times that happens during times of prayer. And it says all prayer and supplications, all types of prayers, whether, whether it's supplication, like we said, whether it's prayers of worship and surrender, prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving. And it says keep an alert with all perseverance, continuing to pray, continuing to trust, continuing to, to be alert and being watchful during this time. And also uh, focusing on the truth that we are, like I said before, in the battle. And it says making supplication for all saints. You know, taking time to pray for all of us. One thing that Paul, that we know that Paul was aware of, of was the need for prayer. Why? Because in the next part we get into, he was asking, hey, pray for me. But also we see all of Paul's uh, letters. He was always talking about, I am praying for you. I am giving thanks for you. I am, he was always praying for the, for the churches that he was writing to. So us taking time, if, if Paul sees the need for prayer, then we should take time to pray for the church, the church that is thriving, the church that is struggling, the church that is being persecuted, the churches in our country, the churches in our area, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, our church, our leaders, our church members, our small groups. We should be praying for all the saints, all of us, our friends. And as we talk about praying for all of us, one thing that we need to realize is that we're in a battle, but we're not in a battle alone. We're in an army. We're here together, doing this together. One of uh, the plans that Satan tries to do is to separate everyone, whether, he's, whether it's through you know, arguments or, or us trying to just keep things to ourselves and not want to you know, have community. Real community is, a, you know, an army is a community, is a group of people that have the same focus, that have the same cause, and they're going to be doing it together. You know, like I said earlier, when we're talking about the shield of faith, one thing that that shield used to do is, as they, as they progress, uh, 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 advanced in, the, in a progression, their shields were locked together. The shield of faith were locked together. So lo- let's lock together with everybody, uh, with each other's faith as we move for- forward and continue to fight this war. So, like I said, we're in an army together, but Satan could, would do all he can. He would use other people. He would use each other. Anyone that, that allows themselves to be used to try to stop this. But we should be unified. Verse 19 says, and when he's talking about praying, he said, And also pray for me, that words may be given to me in my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the, the, mystery of the gospel, for which I am the, an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. One thing I'm looking here, I'm like, man, Paul is asking for boldness and that he may be clear with the gospel. If you were going to ask me if there's one person that didn't need prayer for this, it would be Paul. But, may, but maybe that's why he didn't, maybe he was so successful because he understood the need for prayer. Instead of feeling, hey, Paul didn't need this, did prayer on this. But we can understand that he, he was successful because he understood this. He prayed for this, and he also had all, a lot of people praying for him for this. And so when we look at all the, 
the way that God has used Paul as far as advancing the kingdom, especially to the Gentiles during that time, he was successful because of prayer. And Paul understood that. Verse 21 says, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. There's love and unity in an army. He He knew that these people were concerned about how he's doing. And he was concerned about how they're doing. And when we think about it, even in a small church like this, are we concerned how we are all doing? If we are battling together, and we know that we are all under attack, are we concerned about that? Are we, trying, are we letting people know how we are doing? And are we trying to find out how they are doing? If we're doing this together as a family and as an army, let's do that. Verse 23 Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love uncorruptible. Paul, still in a mentality and heart of prayer, is praying for God's peace, love, and faith for all of us in in this last verse. As we uh, close up, like I said before, we are at war. But the greatest part about it is at the end of the day, we win. We win because Christ wins, and we ride his victory. We need to understand who our enemy is. In order for us to understand the fact that we are being attacked, like let, you know, let's say I had termites in my house, but I didn't know what wood looked like when a termite was getting in there. I would look at the wood and be like, oh, it's fine. So if I didn't understand my enemy and the way my enemy worked, then I would not be aware that my enemy was there. So it's the same thing, you know, as we recognize what the Bible says about Satan. And one thing I do want to say is that Satan's not everywhere, you know. We say Satan, but, you know, he's not omnipresent like God. You know, he uses demons to attack us. When we say Satan, they're under his, under his uh, authority. So, you know, anyway. But um, as I was saying, if we are not aware of it, then he could be doing a lot of work in our lives, a lot of negative work and dark work in our lives that we're not even aware of. And as we rise up and, and, and rise up in the, in the power of the Lord to push back darkness and preach the gospel, then he will continue to attack us even more. But if we don't, then he might just leave us alone. Because why, why would he need to do anything if we're not doing anything anyway? You know, Like I said, we need to be encouraged by the fact that God is our victory. Every piece of the armor that we're speaking about is talking about Christ. Christ is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our truth. He is the gospel. He is our hope and what we need when we are uh, in the middle of this battle. So let's continue to pray. Let's look at Paul's example as he recognized the need for prayer. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for each other. And let's rise up and let's be unified in Christ as we continue to fight this war.